You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. This is this hit. This is the preview edition for the Browns and the Texans on Saturday. Playoff football bat in Houston for the first time in four years. We'll do some for real or gazes and we'll lead off by talking about the crazy coaching carousel, crazy 24 hours we just experienced with respect to coaching positions, both college and pro. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne Pendergast, Sports Radio 610, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my friend, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. And, John, um, we'll get into Bobby Slowick in just a second, Texans offensive coordinator, yet another team. Um uh, asking permission to speak to him. But have you ever seen anything like the 24-hour period? Not even 24 hours, really more like 18-hour period from the time where Pete Carroll um, was removed from duty in Seattle, I'll call it, to just a couple hours later, Belich- uh, Saban, Nick Saban stepping down. And then this morning, Bill Belichick and the Patriots announcing that they're parting ways. I, I would submit, John, that's three of the four or five best football coaches, period, over the last 10 to 12 years, all stepping down within one day of each other. It's not just that period going back to the start of the week when Jim Harbaugh won a national championship, all the reports that he's coming to the NFL, where we go to work, and then guys like Mike Vrabel, that was a surprise. And then going up to Belichick, we knew that was coming. And we had no idea about Nick Saban resigning or Pete Carroll getting fired. There's always surprises and there may be another one in store after these first round of games, but I've never seen anything like it in 47 years of covering the NFL and my 52 years as a sports writer. And I doubt we'll ever see anything like that again, because Saban's the greatest college coach of all time. Belichick, uh, although the post Brady period has kind of tainted his, his image as the greatest pro coach of all time, but they still are incredible and they're good friends and they're walking away at least from their current jobs. Saban's supposed to be going to ESPN. It's what everybody's saying and eventually replace Lee Corso 
And then, of course, Pete Carroll wants to coach another another team. And we know Belichick, who's the same age as Pete, I think a few months younger. I think Washington would be perfect for him because he grew up in Annapolis. He loves the military. Just seems like a natural place. But it's just been mind-boggling. Yeah. So, John, let's go through each of these real quick. Do you think Pete Carroll coaches again? Do you think he is a desired candidate uh, around the NFL right now? He says he wants to coach. You know, Pete, you look at him, you don't think of him being 72 years of age. He talked at his news conference about how good he feels. He said, you guys, me and the media, think I ought to be lying down somewhere, but I got a lot left in me. And watching him on the sideline and every day, you know, he's 72 going on 32. So I don't know. If you're ever going to get a job, this is the year to do it because there's so many available. They're not all attractive, but – I think Pete Carroll will get another job and okay. get That's it from somebody like, say, Mark Davis, if he doesn't stick with Antonio Pierce. I, he, he, I don't see him sitting out because then he'll be 73 years old, but uh, I think he will work again. Yeah, no, that's I, I know he I know he wants to coach. Yeah, that was my question. Like, how desirable a candidate is like it? Like now, Pete Carroll's name is in the is going to be on all these lists that we see. You know, that have Bobby Slowick's name and Ben uh, Ben Johnson's name and Brian Johnson's name and all these coordinators and Jim Harbaugh's name and Bill Belichick's name. Do you think Carroll on all those on those lists will be considered a top candidate for this job cycle? I think he'll be a candidate, and I think he'll get one. Not many coaches can say they've won a national championship in college and a Super Bowl. And I think if somebody interviews Pete and sees the energy that he has, yeah, and he's of, always yeah. been that way, going back to when he was the head coach of the Patriots and the Jets, he was a very energetic guy, and uh, so I think. A guy with that track record who's done a good job with the Seahawks the last two years, considering yeah. what he had at quarterback, I think he'll get a job. Belichick, do you think he coaches next year? I'd, absolutely. He's told people he wants to coach. He's real tight with Adam Schefter. Anything he says to anything Adam Schefter says is gospel when it comes to Belichick. Okay. So which there there's eight openings right now, John. Carolina, the Chargers, Vegas, Atlanta, Washington. Tennessee, Seattle, and then New England, where Belichick's leaving. Of the other seven non-New England ones, which one do you think is the best fit? You just mentioned Washington you think is a great fit. Do you think that's where he ends up? I think that would be a great fit. Mike Florio said there might be too many cooks in that kitchen, and there might be, but he would have all that worked out in his contract, and they'd get a a quarterback. The problem with Atlanta is they got a lot of pieces in place. They don't have a quarterback, and Mm. He knows what it's like when you don't have a quarterback. His reputation is taking a beating. But Arthur Blank is a good owner to work for. He stays out of it. And I think Arthur Blank, I mean, uh, Arthur Smith, a lot of the problems he had, he was short-tempered with the media. Anytime you have you don't look good in news conferences because you're snappy and you're feisty, then the media, talk shows, columnists, everybody, online fans is going to blast you. And that's fine if you're winning like Bill Belichick, but when you lose, it grates on an owner. Yeah, absolutely. It's not good PR for sure. Um, As far as Staben goes, John, um, I think he's probably done coaching, if I had to guess. Uh, And you mentioned that I think he'd be perfect in the Lee Corso spot. I've always enjoyed Nick Staben every time he's been on TV. I enjoy Belichick when he goes on TV as well. There are two guys where you can hear all the time about both of them is that their personalities are very different behind the scenes than they are at a podium or on the sideline. Um, I think Saban will be great on ESPN. 
I guess the question is two questions. I'm going to let you debunk. I'm going to let you disappoint all the Alabama fans out there right now that are pining on the message boards to get D'Amico Ryans to be the head coach. Zero percent chance or negative percent chance that D'Amico Ryans is the head coach of Alabama next year? I'm not going to say zero because he loves Alabama. He's from Alabama. He talks about Alabama. But this was his dream job, not Alabama. And I think Alabama's going for a college coach. There's a lot of coaches. I saw a great thing online last night. It showed Dabo Sweeney running along the sideline. Now, he was running during a game, but it said Sweeney running to Tuscaloosa to try to get that job. And there's a big backlash from the fans. They don't want him. Dan Lanning would be perfect at Oregon. But, man, you know what they say, Sean, about replacing a legend? And Saban has been wise to go on ESPN anything they've needed through the years because he knows young people watch ESPN. And he's reaching out to recruits, just like he used to do a talk show here when he was at LSU in the morning with John Granado, and because he wanted to be able to fans, the fan, the the kids and their families hear him talking about LSU. So they think eventually, whenever that is, and they say Lee Corso stay as long as he wants, that he'll go on there, they'll find a role for him on game day, just make the table bigger, or maybe you know Pat McAfee's not happy. He's already hinted about not being back on game day. and uh, But I think he will definitely have a place on the, at the table on college game day. Okay, so you think, you, you think Lang would be, the, uh, would be the right, would, would be a, a good hire there? Well, there's Dan reports in Oregon, Eugene, yeah. by people cover that team, and Tuscaloosa, yeah. that Lanning was already there. I don't know how he could get there that quick. I'll tell you a quick story. Ryan Fowler, who's been doing main talk show in Tuscaloosa for years, and I was doing his show yesterday. He always wants to keep up with the Alabama people that uh, the Texans have. And I'm giving an answer, and then he didn't say anything. And I'm waiting for him to ask me another question. This was this was uh, uh, Wednesday afternoon. And I thought we'd lost the connection, and I was about to say, am I still on? And he goes, uh, I'm sorry, John. Um, um, gotta hang up. I'm reading something. I want to make sure I read this and say it right. I'm sorry to butt in, but – Nick Saban has just died. I said, I mean, resigned. And I said, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Uh, go do your job and hung up. And he how got did, back to me late last night. How did Nick Saban has just died pop into your brain right there? How did that Somebody's gone. I saw, I listened to ESPN all morning talking to him in past tense. Like he's like, they're talking about Belichick. He was, he was this, yeah. he was that. Like yeah, he died instead of he's right. going on. But yeah, when, when Start I was thinking about older. Him, first thing I thought about when he's gone, he's gone. But he's thank, gone. He's thank gone. Thank God gone. I didn't, yeah. he didn't say that. And I didn't either. He's gone. Fast gone. as I've ever gotten off the talk show. There you go. Yeah. John, just back to D'Amico for one second. I, this isn't just the D'Amico take. This is general. I can't imagine an NFL head coach, especially a successful one, which D'Amico Ryans has been thus far and I think will be for a long, long time, would ever want the headache in this day and age of being a college head coach compared to being an NFL head coach. I can't, I can't imagine the NIL. You're basically the college head coaches had a pretty good life. Now they've been asked to basically manage a salary cap and re-recruit their team every year. Like have to put like three times the horsepower into recruiting than they used to because it used to be like recruit a kid, you get him in there, and now he's kind of shackled there because he, if he transfers, he's got to sit out a year. That transfer portal has completely changed the workload and the stress level on college coaches. Screw that. 
let me stay in the NFL where I can just coach my ball plays. You know what I mean? I can call up my defenses, little Bobby over here, call up the offense, get CJ Stroud on our team and win 10 to 14 games every year for the next decade. And they say that that's the reason Saban has walked away. He got tired of dealing yes. with all that. I read a I couple of months it. ago, he has 13 people in his transfer portal department. And something that you can't have an agent when you're in college. Who's negotiating all these deals? Their parents? Well, we know that's not the case. Do they have agents illegally? Of course they do. And so every year players come back wanting more money, and it's a bunch of them. And just like you win the Super Bowl, you win a national championship. Can you imagine a lot of those Michigan players oh. being recruited by other schools or they Crazy. want the Wolverines to give them more money? I'm, yeah. That's one another reason I think Harbaugh is coming to the NFL. Yep, I agree. I, it's it's just it's such a better gig. It's such a better gig. And it probably pays better too for the upper upper echelon. I, I know the college coaches are making more now than they ever have, but what a headache that is. All right, John, um, you ready to do our oh, and Bobby Slowick getting requested by the Titans before we hold don't change the graphic yet, James. Um, Bobby Slowick requested by the Titans. I know you're a line that regardless of these eight jobs that are out there right now, that you think Slowick is coming back for another year. Um but how big a threat are the Titans, given that Rand Carthon, his former co-worker in San Francisco, is the GM there? I did my I did two shows in Nashville the last two days, and they have Slowick, yeah. the media does, at the top of their list because he and Cawthorn worked six, six years together. Now, yeah. maybe they hate each other. We don't know. But uh, I'm uh, talking to Kyle Shanahan on Friday for a column about D'Amico and Slowick and how well they're doing. Plus, I want to talk to him about Andre Johnson, what he, about why he thinks he's worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. But um, Bobby, you know, there's a lot of openings, and he's been a play caller for one year, and he's had growing pains. And we've seen him have great games mostly, real good games, a couple of bad games. But Carthon is, uh, you know, he's in charge now of that hire, and that's not an attractive job. What if, what if Bobby Sloick didn't think Will Levis was worth the first or second round? They traded up to the top pick in the second round to get him. You know, if you force feed a quarterback down a new coach's throat that he doesn't have highly rated, the guy's gone after a year and you're starting over. And yeah. uh, Titans, while they still have good defensive players when they're healthy, their offensive line's terrible. They need receivers. If Derrick Henry leaves, they need a second running back. Thing is, he'd be starting at the bottom, working his way up. If I had to take a job, I would look toward Atlanta and think that with all these quarterbacks out there that I could get one, and because you got a lot of other pieces in place, that would be a much better job. You know, Amy Adams drunk fired John Robinson in the uh, late during the season in last year, last season. And now she's fired Mike Vrabel, one of the best coaches in the league. So you'd have to wonder, well, who is making the calls up there? What happened behind the scenes? But um, I, I, Slowick, I think, will do like D'Amico, like uh, Ben Johnson did with the Lions last year after he interviewed here, like Kevin O'Connell did with the Rams. They interview and they say, you know what? I need to go back and get another year of experience calling the shots even though Connell was Sean McVay was calling the plays. And it worked out great for D'Amico and Kevin O'Connell. It's going to work out great for Ben Johnson, I'm guessing. But uh, I'll be curious to know what Bobby Slowick's dad, who's a coordinator for four teams, what advice he gives him because you know they're close. 
That's a lot of bread, John. That's a big pay raise to to go up to being a head coach. You know, it's there's no guarantees down the road that you're, you're going to get that opportunity. And it looks like you will if you keep coaching C.J. Stroud. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Are you ready to do a little preview of this Cleveland uh, wild card game, John, with the Texans on Saturday? A little six pack. Absolutely. All right, let's do it. John and I preview every Texans game, and this is obviously the biggest one to play game, an actual playoff game at NRG Stadium, 3.30 on Saturday, the Texans invitational spot, we call that, 3.30 on Saturday afternoon during Wild Card Weekend. Um, the Texans facing off against the Cleveland Browns, who they just faced off against three weeks ago and got destroyed 36-22 to in a game that wasn't even that close. Uh, it wasn't as close as it was on the scoreboard. Now, of course, that was Case Keenum. And Davis Mills, this will be C.J. Stroud under center for the Texans, so it should be a whole different complexion for this game than the one a few weeks ago. That said, the Browns are a three-point favorite as of this podcast in this game. I think they were a three-and-a-half-point favorite when they faced the Texans with Davis Mills and, and Case Keenum at quarterback a few weeks ago. So the overall opinion really hasn't changed much from going into that game three weeks ago versus this game now as far as the odds makers are concerned. We do a six-pack. Storylines, coaches, players, position groups, whatever, that are going to impact the outcome of this game, and then we'll give our predictions. John, you go first. I'm going to start with the secondary in general, Derek Stingley Jr. in particular. Uh, Joe Flacco burned him big time, 365, I think it's 60-something, 84. I'm not sure. It was so many yards. It's the most he's thrown for. And uh, Mari Cooper caught 11 for 265, two touchdowns. They have got to improve the big plays. Flacco had six completions of more than of 20 or more yards, starting with that early 52-yarder to uh, uh, Cooper on the first play. I think yeah. that they will play better. I'm not sure about pressure on Flacco. They couldn't get pressure on him before. And Garon Christian was one of their offensive tackles. It was amazing, and he had too much time to throw. And then when they did get some pressure, he showed his mobility, which is not much, but he can still move. And uh, so uh, I think Stingley, whose rating against him was over 100, and for the year he's been fantastic, somewhere in the 50s. He gave up one touchdown, and he had one interception. But he needs to have a big game and lead that secondary uh, to have a much better game than they had on Christmas Eve. Yep, I agree with that one, John, for sure. Uh, secondary's got to tighten things up. If Jalen Petrie doesn't feel motivated and bring his A game on Saturday, I don't know what to do because that was that was Petrie's lowest moment as a pro in that game. He got benched in that game on uh, in, in week 16. So I'm with you on that. 
Um, my first one is going to be the non-Nico Collins wide receivers. We got news yesterday. Robert Woods was back at practice. That was great news. We'll see about Noah Brown today. I don't feel great about that. He's missed a few games. And I know the injury report lists uh, back or something. I, it, it, Noah Brown's got multiple injuries going right now. He's banged up. If they got him back, that would be a godsend right now that you could actually trot three veteran wide receivers out there when you're in three wide receiver formations and not go to that drastic drop-off where either Hutchinson or Mechie, basically two rookies. Mechie's basically a rookie, um, that one of them would need to be on the field. Um, and I think Nico Collins, he ain't going for nine catches, 195 against this team. Uh, this is, these are big boy cornerbacks. Um, the Browns got Grant Delpit back yesterday. There's safety out of LSU who had been on injured reserve. So he's going to be back. So their their secondary got another piece. Um, Nico had four catches for 18 yards. The last time these two teams played a lot of that was probably who was delivering the football to him. But point being, the Colts did nothing to take away Nico Collins. I think Jim Schwartz will figure out a way to try to take away Nico Collins, and thus C.J. Stroud is going to have to get other guys involved. So the non-Nico wide receivers, to me, are a big key. They're going to need somebody to step up with five or six or seven catches outside of just Nico Collins. That's a great one, and I'm going to stay on defense because okay. I'm guessing Jonathan Grenard's out again. Just hurts yeah. their pass rush big time. Will Anderson Jr. is not going to be 100% before next season. The only thing you can do for high ankle sprain is a little rest and, re- and rehab. And so Derek Barnett, who in the last four games among edge rushers, according to Pro Football Focus, Derek Barnett has a rating of 90.7. That is second in the NFL behind Miles Garrett at 93.1. In those games, he's got 16 pressures. So Derek Barnett has been a godsend since he was signed after Philadelphia released him. And he's one of the many players playing for money. New contract somewhere, if not for here. And uh, so I think the pass rush, I feel good about their interior pass rush. they got to get something from the edge because Anderson is so limited. And I think that Derek Barnett needs to keep playing like he's playing. Yeah, he's been – I mean, that's been a great pickup for Nick Casario and Miko Ryans. Derek Barnett off the waiver wire is a huge, huge W for this team. As long as we're talking interior, John, I'll flip it the other way for my next one. And what I'll call the law offices of Scruggs, Dieter, and Mason, uh, they they need to – they need to bring their game on uh, Saturday against the Browns. Um, when the Texans have broken down uh, in terms of protection, oftentimes this season, especially as the season's gone on, it's been in the interior. That's when C.J. is Williams coming up the interior. Um, when that Titans game looked like it was the first Titans game in Tennessee, looked like it was kind of circling the drain a little bit late in the game and in overtime. Why? Because Domenico Autry blew up the game coming up in the interior. Um, DeForest Buckner made some plays last week. Now that's that's excusable. They actually did a pretty good job against the Colts last week. That's what they need to do. Uh, it's not just Miles Garrett. That whole front for Cleveland is pretty talented. And I always feel like you know the quarter quarterbacks always say you know the guys coming off the edge, especially the ones that are in your view, coming off let's say the right side for for C.J. Stroud. You can handle those. I mean, on the blind side, you got Laramie Tunsil. He'll be okay over there. It's the pressure of the middle that doesn't allow you to step into your throws that really cause problems. So, to me, the interior, the three guys, left guard, center, right guard for the Texans on the interior are one to watch for me. And keep in mind, defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, who's in his first year 
with the Browns. He wants another shot at being a head coach. To do that, you've got to win. And if you make a big splash when you're getting after the quarterback, it causes people to notice. So I think they're going to do everything they can to get after Stroud. And as Bobby Slug said this week, they've got to get rid of the ball fast, and I think they will. Now, my next one is Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick and C.J. Stroud. Bobby has had three teams request interviews, maybe more, but can you imagine how many are going to reach out to him if they upset the Browns? They're already mm-hmm. talking about in Baltimore, Flacco coming home to play in the divisional round. They're talking in Cleveland about Flacco going home for the divisional round. And and uh, if they were to pull off an upset of the Browns in this game and then go to Baltimore, that would only strengthen Bobby Slowick's credentials and might get him to uh, get another million or two a year uh, offer uh, from one of those teams. So I think Bobby Slowick and getting Stroud to get rid of the ball fast is going to be paramount. Yep, I, uh, it's a big game for Slow. Every game's a big game for Slowick at this point because they're all on big stages. I thought the, I thought the uh, the, the Colts game on Saturday night when CJ wound up getting offensive player of the week this week because of that performance. I thought Bobby called a masterful game. Uh, now it also helps to have CJ Stroud throwing off his back foot to Nico Collins on second and fourteen and and zipping his lasers to guys as he's getting drilled by defensive linemen. Um, but I thought Bobby called a good game. My last one, John, isn't a person or a coach or anything like that. They just need to get off to a faster start. It, too often this year, they've give, they've gotten off slow starts. And I'm not just saying against Cleveland in Week 16. There's been, there was a stretch of several games, ironically games that they were winning by and large, where they were giving up touchdowns on the first drive to the opposing team pretty frequently. I remember Cincinnati they did. Kyler Murray hit a big touchdown three plays into the game. There was a stretch where they were falling behind by double digits in games, and amazingly, they were coming back and winning a lot of them. Cleveland was not one of them. In that Cleveland game, they they allowed the opening kickoff to go back to about the 40-yard line, and then the very first play from scrimmage was that one you mentioned, the the deep shot to Amari Cooper. So, you, you know, they basically get 90 yards on the first two plays, 40 in the return game and then 50 in the passing game. And, I, like, honestly, I felt like, okay, well, this just is their day. Like, this, this is how it's going to be. Um, they can't afford to get off to a slow start uh, against this team. I think there's going to be a lot of Cleveland people at the game too, uh, is my guess. So Energy Stadium is a home game and so on and so forth. Um, but I think Cleveland, like the sense I get Cleveland is traveling for this game just from talking to people. Um, so they need to – it sounds weird. They need to make sure and take the opposing crowd out of the game at this game <laughs> and not allow Cleveland fans to kind of take over. Uh, NRG Stadium. That's just where we're at right now, John. You and I have talked about this. The the complete replenishing of fans at NRG Stadium on a week-to-week basis is going to be a one-year delay kind of thing. I feel really good that the crowds are going to be rocking next year and that opposing fans may not be able to take over the stadium as rally. Yeah, well, I can't imagine why they wouldn't be rocking in this game because they can't sell those, sell those take it before the season when the schedule comes out. And so it'll be pathetic yeah. if they sell their tickets to Browns fans, but they can't help it. And I think, I think this about this game, it wouldn't surprise me. And I'm guessing you feel the same way. I'm not going to mm-hmm. pick the Texans, but I th- wouldn't be surprised at all if Stroud did not lead them to an upset and those interceptions that Flacco throws finally come back to bite him in the butt. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the Browns should win. Flacco's been a tremendous quarterback, but what we've seen Stroud do 
is just incredible, and he may have another one or two incredible games in him. Uh, well, John, prediction time. So uh, no may no may have about it. Does he have a game like that in him? What's your prediction for this game? I'm going with uh, the Browns to win this game 24 to 20. Okay. I got the Browns as well. I got the Browns 23 to 17 uh, in this game. So I, I think the Browns are going to win as well. And John, as you know, the good news is I am always wrong lately on the Houston Texans. I think <laughs> I've been wrong on my picks for literally like the last six weeks. So Texan fans getting ready to listen to this or listening to this podcast, getting ready to hit me on social media to be angry with me. Just know that I have anointed the Texans onto the, the uh, divisional round against two will be the big question. And that leads us, John, into for real or Fugazi, because um, I've got a lot of stuff in here about these games coming up on um, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. we got a Monday night game in the wild card uh, weekend as well. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You ready to do some for real or fugazis, John? Absolutely. Okay, so we do for real or fugazis. I've got seven of them today. I read a sentence to John. John assesses it. If he agrees with it and he thinks it's truthful, he says for real. If he listens to that sentence and he thinks it's stupid, silly, false, whatever, he says fugazi. Fugazi. Yeah, I like it, John. You're bringing the heat today. Fugazi. I'm the Sopranos. They've been rerunning every year on HBO. Well, they they were it was the anniversary of the first episode yesterday, fifth anniversary of the first episode. Amy and I went out to Carabas and came home and watched the Sopranos. We did very Italian things yesterday. It was her birthday. You didn't kill anybody, so. did you? No. Well, John, not as far as you know. Um, all right. Uh, so let's do these for real or for gays. Um, a couple scheduling ones, John. I'm curious for your thoughts on this. Um, the, the NFL just announced today the uh, four of the home teams. For international games, the Panthers are going to be hosting a game in Munich. Ooh, that'll be and then, and then I know I said that to Seth. Like we are exporting some of our worst, uh, some of our worst exports to Germany. Panther football It's one of the worst exports that we have in the entire country. Um, then there's three London games, two of which are the Vikings and the Jags, two opponents that the Texans have slated for road games on their schedule this year. John, for Ruler Fugazi, the Texans will play. At least one, but not at least, they will play one overseas game in 2024. I think that's going to be for real. I think they're going to be a hot team when it comes to primetime games because of D'Amico and Stroud and the way everybody talks about the teams pointing up, and they're getting an ungodly amount of publicity across the board. I record every show I can. I've even recorded shows on a network I've never paid any attention to to see what they're saying about the Texans, and I think the NFL sees that 
and I think they'll be a popular team. As we've talked about already, and I'm going to keep talking about it, I hope the NFL puts the Texans and the Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium on Thanksgiving. I think that would be a great game, and I think the Texans will be going somewhere in Europe. And uh, I feel sorry for those fans over there who will buy tickets to the Jaguars. What are they going to promote? Bryce Young played 16 games, only missed Oh, you're saying for the Panthers. For the Panthers. Come see David Tepper, the NFL's most controversial owner. Have a contest over there among the fans at the sports bars about throwing drinks on each other and see who can do the best imitation. Yes, John. What do they have to promote? Nothing. Nothing. Well, we'll see who the head coach is. Hey, that first round pick. Oops. No. Yeah, they don't even have one of those. <laughs> it's the first overall. I mean, seriously, that game they will sell out in like two game. minutes, and the fans won't have a clue what they're oh getting because they're the old Jaguar. They're the they're the new Jags. All right, John. Um, the uh, the next one you kind of you kind of touched on it there. The other schedule one I had. Texans will face Dallas on Thanksgiving Day in uh, at Jerry Jerry World. For well, as much Gaze. as I want it to be, really, I don't think they will. But I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it's for real because for real, it just okay. seems like such a natural. John, can you imagine a Texan schedule where they go from literally every game except the last one is a noon Sunday kick to a schedule where they're playing a Europe game, they're playing the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, assume that they're getting at least with with the teams on their schedule this year or next year. Ooh, They're getting at least two primetime games. I mean, they got they got Lamar Jackson on the schedule. They got Mahomes on the schedule. They've got John. Josh I think Allen I mentioned this. To schedule. Josh Allen on the schedule. They've got Miami on the schedule. Tua, Mike McDaniel versus D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, they've got they, they've got Detroit on the schedule. They might have Caleb Williams on the schedule. They have a game in Green Bay next year. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a spicy schedule next year, man. I don't know what the record's going to be, but man, it's going to be a whole lot of fun leading up to going through training camp, speculating about this upcoming season. because The Texans are going to be a, a hot, dark horse Super Bowl pick for a lot of people. Without A lot of people who don't look at the schedule. <laughs> I think they'll get so, at least three primetime games. Yeah. And uh, even this game, they get the worst slot for playoffs, the early Saturday game. But I'm glad because yep. then we can watch all the Sunday games and the Monday night games. Amen. I love it. And Stefanski said he liked it. Stefanski said in his press conference, he's like, I'm glad we played the first game. Get it done. Get it out of the way, you know, and then we can sit back and watch. Um, all right, John, let's get to some of the games this weekend in real of Fugazi. John, um, Miami and Pittsburgh are both underdogs. Miami, the sixth seed in Kansas City, and then Pittsburgh's the biggest underdog of the weekend, a double-digit underdog to the Buffalo Bills. If one or both of them pull off an upset, the Texans will avoid the Baltimore Ravens in round two. If they both pull off the upset, the Texans will have a home game. If they beat the Cleveland Browns this weekend, they'll have a home game in the divisional round. John, for real or for Gazy, at least one of Miami or Pittsburgh pulls off the upset this weekend. Fugazi, I don't think they are. Not with uh, Tua being winless when it's below 45, and they're talking about it being zero in Kansas City. And the Steelers, I just don't see it without T.J. Watt providing that great pass rush. I'm with you on both of those. I, I think I think both of those games could get ugly. Be great if it one of them won, and then, you know, depending on, I guess, you know, depending on which one won would dictate who your next opponent is. You might get Buffalo. You might get Miami. That'd be kind of cool. I got um, one John. I got one okay. for you. Okay. For real okay. or for Gazy? Yeah. If the Buccaneers upset the Eagles 
and the Eagles are going down the toilet fast, Nick yeah. Sirianni will be another surprise firing. I'm going to say Fugazi, but I'm like a Fugazi, but I don't yeah, feel good matter. about being as emphatic. Yeah, I don't feel good about being that emphatic about it, John. Um, what do you think? What, what, or, do you, I can't think imagine he, that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman would fire him one season after they made the Super Bowl when they know Super Bowl losers don't go back to the Super Bowl and they still got yeah. a lot of talent. You know, that that backfired that defensive move. Uh that was that turned out Matt Patricia. Patricia not promoting Patricia, yeah. So I think they'll make like he'll keep his job and they'll make some moves among their coordinators. I, I I'm with you there. I yeah, that that's that's just tough for me to see. Along those lines, John, for real or fugues, this is my very next one. A good job by you. Philadelphia is 60 minutes away from being done. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to lose to the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football for real or Fugazi. Fugazi, I think they'll put it, get it together just enough to win the game. Good chance okay. Todd Bowles will be fired by the Buccaneers. He's been rumored to be on the way out, and then they won the, the division, the worst division in the NFL. And uh, I think the Eagles will muster up enough, show enough pride to go to Tampa and win that game. Okay. I mean, it's they're, 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 John, they've shown nothing in the last month that would indicate they're ready to go on the road and win a football game in the playoffs against the, against the, a Tampa Bay team that's played pretty good football over the last month or so. Can you that, imagine what it's like in Philadelphia now with the fans, the media? Oh, oh it's got to be brutal. Terrible. Brutal. Brutal. All right, John, I've got three more. I've got one more playoff one and then two more after that. Um, Mike McCarthy. Simple one. I'm going to the same question you just asked me about Sirianni. If Mike McCarthy loses to the Packers, he will be a surprise firing come Monday. Real or Fugazi? Fugazi. He's the first coach in Cowboys history to win at least 12 games in his first three seasons. And Jerry Jones, a lot of people think he's been quick on the trigger with coaches, but he's not. He's kept them too long. So I don't yeah. think he's going to get rid of McCarthy. You know, he may say, okay, I don't want you calling plays anymore, but the problem's not – uh, playing at home, they need to find a remedy for not playing so bad on the road. And, but, uh, no, I don't think McCarthy would be out. Mike Florio's trying to act like Bill Belichick would go there, and I'm thinking Bill going there with Jerry as the oh. GM, and I just don't see it. I was with some Dallas people last night, John, over at the Yellow Rose Distillery, and they were all in from Dallas. That's where the company's headquartered up in, in Dallas. And so they were all in for a party, and I was talking, a lot of them were talking about the potential of Jim Harbaugh with the Cowboys. What do you think about a fit with Jim Harbaugh and Jerry Jones? <laughs> oh, he'd be even worse. Jerry likes those it worse than Worse than Belichick, huh? They, oh, yeah. But Harbaugh's hard to deal with behind the scenes. Yeah. People of the 49ers tell horror stories about him near the <laughs> end of his reign there. And I'd remind me of similar, same stories about Bill O'Brien, what it was like in the office for everybody. And uh, I think him, and Jerry, don't mix. I think if yeah. Jerry backed away, and I maybe at this point in his career, Belichick doesn't have to have control of personnel. Jerry Jones relies heavily on Will McClay, and he pays him a fortune to keep him from leaving for a general manager's job. So he's the reason they have as much talent as they do, and Jerry kind of signs off on it with, while he gets all the credit and the head coach. But uh, I would see Belichick going before our ball. All right, last one, John. Um, Aaron Rodgers is gone from the Pat McAfee show, and this is what's best for everybody, for real or Fugazi? For real. I'm, I listened to that thing Tuesday for him 
going on and on. Like he sounds just like such a, he's out there on another planet like Uranus. And I want to hear him talk about football. I want to hear him talk about the Jets, the other teams, the league. And he just went on and on calling out a producer of ESPN. And it just, it's not a bad, it's not a good look for Pat McAfee's show and ratings. I don't care how much he gets the young viewers. Nobody could have liked that show except maybe some far right wingers, but that's it. I turned, I turned it off. I got tired of it. And then I watched the next day when Watt was on, he asked Watt a question. Watt goes, you're not going to get me on the late night talk shows. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> JJ safe. <laughs> He's a JJ safe, upbeat, sportsy. That's what McAfee's looking for. That's the craziest thing to me. I think Pat McAfee's brilliant. I think he's a brilliant business person. I think he's a great personality. He's obviously very sought after and versatile. His thinking that that Aaron Rodgers would fit in in his world of positivity he was trying to create is one of the dumbest things that I think I can remember. Like, we're just trying to be positive out here. And, like, hey, you brought Aaron Rodgers in. You, like, you let a wolf in. The wolf ate all the food. Like, I, I, don't want, I didn't want anybody to come in and eat all the food. Why would you let a wolf in the house? I don't know. <laughs> That's a great you know, like, analogy. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you expect, man? So anyway, but problem fixed, I suppose, if you think it's a problem. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't think it was a problem. It was very polarizing, you know. It, um, it, so. The thing about Rodgers, when he was with the Packers and there was so much speculation on his job every week, it was good to have him on there because it helped McAfee get an initial boost in ratings because of Rodgers. But he doesn't need him anymore. And can you yeah. imagine, Sean, if next season at 40, Aaron Rodgers isn't what he was at 38 and 37? Right, when right. When they let him control the team, you talk. Then they got to go get another quarterback. Sets uh, the franchise back even more. I'd bet on that before I bet on him coming and having them in Super Bowl contention next year. Forty-year-old coming off of an Achilles with a team that he's really not all that familiar with. Let's face it. I mean, it's not you know, like he he had four snaps with them on the field last. Year. I know he's training camp and he's in building and blah blah blah. Like no chemistry build. I you know, are they bringing back all of his buddies again this year? Are Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard going to be two of the wide receivers again next year? You know, like that's Nathaniel Hackett's Daniel the OC. Hackett. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like I, John, I, I, and they're in a division with Miami and Buffalo. You know, like that's so I, I I'm, I, I can't wait to play the Jets again next year. Now I hate that the Texans have to play them on that freaking concrete playground that is MetLife Stadium, but whatever, I guess. Um, John, what do you got going on on the website this weekend? I've got a column on uh, that the Texans would love for C.J. Stroud to play the way another rookie quarterback played in the playoffs in 2008. That would be Joe Flacco, who helped the Ravens go to the AFC Championship game where they lost at Pittsburgh. And in uh, that year, Stroud was seven years old. So I've got a column about the two of them, Texans talking about Flacco, Browns talking about uh, Stroud, and then I've got a couple. We've got, we will have our third Utopia Football Podcast. And uh, Sean, thank you very much. We'll do this again after the game Saturday night. And I look Can't forward wait. to seeing you. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hopefully, it's a big win. Hopefully, we get a dub. Uh, and uh, we'll to talk about that on Saturday night. And you guys will probably be listening to that podcast come Sunday morning. Of course, click that subscribe button so you get the podcast automatically wherever as you listen to your podcast. We thank James Jackson, our producer, for getting the podcast out to you quickly and cleanly and, um, and just does a great job uh, making sure that you guys have Utopia Football Podcast ready to go. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. That's how you can email the show. We do a mailbag episode. 
Uh, our second episode each week is a mailbag episode, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. So for James and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will talk to all of you the end of the weekend after what is hopefully a victorious Texans wild card game over the Cleveland Browns. Have a great weekend, everybody.